This morning, I want to continue our teaching on Bible prophecy, the end times. And uh, so I'd like for you to, to open your Bibles, if you will, and get ready as we, as we attempt to, to uh, speed through some incredible uh, portions of Scripture that talk to us about the future. You know, it's okay to uh, want to know what the future holds. The disciples of Jesus asked him, they said, Lord, what's going to be the sign of your coming and of the end of, your age, the, end of the age? Two things they asked him, the sign of your coming and the end of the age. And Jesus in Matthew 24 laid out for them a, a whole lot of, of uh, detail of things that they could look for to anticipate his second coming. But then he also uh, talked about, if you read on in that 24th chapter uh, of the book of Matthew, you discover that in the, just before the second coming of Jesus, at the end of the seven years of tribulation, <clears throat> after the rapture's already occurred, then tribulation, then just before the second coming, the Bible says that the moon will be dark because the sun's going to be darkened. How many of you know the moon just reflects the, the light of the sun? So both moon and sun will, <clears throat> will go dark. The stars of heaven will fall to the earth. So I'm talking about no light anywhere, incredibly dark in the heavens. And as that darkness permeates the planet, just full of, of death and devastation, already one-third of the earth's population has been killed. Uh, unbelievable things we'll read about in just a moment. Uh, but but at, the, at the moment, just before the coming of Christ, the skies are going to light up, and there's going to come the Shekinah. How many of you read about the Shekinah of God? We call it the Shekinah glory, but it is glory. So to say Shekinah glory is, is a bit redundant. So it's either the Shekinah or the glory. Either way is good. But the Shekinah of God, the glory of God that surrounds and permeates the Lord Jesus Christ is going to appear in the heavens. When you look at the Bible, you see several times where the Shekinah of God appeared. For instance, for, uh, in, the, in the New Testament, when Christ was born and the angel of the Lord came and appeared to those shepherds. You remember? Out there in the field, they were tending their flocks by night. And so the angel appeared to them. And then the Bible says, suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly, there was in the heavens a great host of angels and the sky literally lit up. The Shekinah, the glory of God was with that annunciation. I mean, they went from dark to incredibly bright. And that's happened in the, in the tabernacle. It's happened in the temple. It happened when the children of Israel were following uh, this pillar of, of, of uh, cloud by, by uh, day and this fire by night. And, and it happened, it's going to happen when the Lord Jesus returns. We're going to go from this place of darkness. The sign of his coming is going to be his glory. The sign of his coming is going to be his Shekinah. The sign of his coming is the fact that he is all you need to light up your world. And from that moment on, my friend, we will not need electrical lights. We're not going to need gas lanterns. We're not going to need the light of the sun. We're not going to need the moon or the stars because the Lamb of God is the light of the city in which you and I are going to be living. <clears throat> it's a new Jerusalem, and I'm telling you, I can't wait wait till Jesus comes again and I see him in his glory and we go to be with him and forever and forever. Amen. <clears throat> Praise God. Now I'm probably going to need that bottle of water. Daniel, can you, can you just spirit that water up here to me? Wait, let me use a different word besides spirit when I'm talking about drinking something. Some of y'all are wondering. It's just water. When I was a little boy, thank you, my dad uh, would have a cup up here to drink out of when he was preaching and it's a key thing, I guess. So anyway, he would use a little, he'd use whatever cup was handy, somebody would bring him a cup. And, and Brother Steve, we had a whole bunch of Pepsi cups. I'll never forget this as long as I'm, I was just a little bitty guy. And so they'd bring a Pepsi cup to my dad. Well, during the whole service, I'm watching that Pepsi cup. And I'm wondering if he's going to drink all that Pepsi that's inside there. I just knew it was full of Pepsi. And Brother Dave, the first time I went up there after service, and there was still something in it, and I shook it and looked, and it was water. I was so disappointed. I just knew my daddy had a, had a cup of ice cold Pepsi Cola up there on his, on his uh, preaching desk. But I'm just, I'm going with water this morning. <clears throat> no Pepsi, just water. And we're, gonna, we're getting ready to preach. Somebody say amen. <clears throat> now you'll have to forgive me if, um, if you're looking for a uh, dignified uh, preacher. If you're looking for someone who keeps his cool and uh, doesn't get too uh, excited uh, I'm sorry you came to the wrong place because when I preach about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and what's going to happen to the church and what's going to happen in the end times, I get excited about what God has planned for you and I. Amen. So, so we've been studying now uh, for a number of weeks. We have, 
we've gone through a, a, a number of, of, of teachings. We're to the point where we're talking this morning about, about the great tribulation, the great tribulation. And of course, we talked about the rapture of the church, and we talked about the fact that uh, believers are going to be caught up in the air. We talked about the fact, according to Scripture, that our corruptible bodies will take on incorruption. Our mortal bodies will take on immortality. Did you catch that? The phrasing there? And we shall be changed. John said, Beloved, it doesn't yet appear what we shall be. But we do know that when he appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. So this mortal body that you and I occupy, our spirit occupies while we're on this planet, it's going to go back to dust if we, if we die. Uh, if we don't die, if we're still alive at the coming of the, of the Lord, it's going to be changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye. The last trump for the, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then Paul says in verse 18 of 1 Thessalonians 4, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I'm comforting you this morning. I'm encouraging you this morning. I'm reminding you this morning that this earth is not all there is. This life is not the finality for you and I. There's another chapter. There's another life. There's a glorious future. There's something ahead of us. We haven't even dreamed. We can't even imagine what it is. Our eyes haven't seen it. Our ears haven't, haven't heard it. It hasn't entered into our heart or our mind. We can't understand what God has for us, but he wants to reveal it to us by his spirit. So today I have asked the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to you and I. As we were worshiping a moment ago, I sensed the Spirit of God in this room and I sensed that He was doing something in our hearts and preparing us that, as that great anointing was happening as we were just singing and praising God and glorifying His majesty and all that He is. The Bible says when you do that, He enthrones Himself in your praises. He comes and literally enthrones Himself in the praises of His people. So this morning, as you and I have been praising Him, the Lord Jesus has come and He's in this room today. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah, somebody. And so, along with the rapture of the church, I don't know how you can just sit and be quiet and just talk about the rapture of the church without really preaching about the rapture of the church. I just, I'm excited about that. It's the next event on God's timetable. It is imminent. In other words, everything's been fulfilled. All is in place. All is in order. Jesus is just waiting for the father to tap him on the shoulder and say, go get your bride. Go pick her up. Bring her back to, to the house with you. Come on to father's house. How many of you are just aching to go to the father's house? Are you just ready to go? No more pain. No more suffering. No more sickness and disease. No more par uh, handicapped parking spaces. Uh, no, no more hearing aids. No more, no more devices to help us get around like a walker or a set of canes. I'm telling you, we're going to be made whole. And it's, a, it's an incredible change from this body to a glorified body. God's going to do it. And at the moment that he causes that to happen and we go to be with him, at that moment, the dead in Christ are going to rise. He's going to put the spirit back together with the body. Only it won't be the body that only had one leg or the body that had a blind eye. It won't be the body uh, that was blown up or the body that was drowned. It will be a new body created like unto his body. It will be a glorified body. And in that glorified state, we'll spend the rest of eternity with our God. So we talked a lot about that. I preached a little bit about that a few weeks ago. And I love to, I love to hit on it every week. The rapture of the church, <clears throat> this, the first resurrection. If you read in the book of um, Revelation, verse 20 and chapter, chapter 20, excuse me, verse 5, it says, The rest of the dead lived not again until the 1,000 years were finished. In other words, at the same moment of the rapture comes this great resurrection, the resurrection of the righteous dead. But then there's an interval of 1,000 years that will separate the resurrection of the just, of the righteous, from the unjust, the unrighteous. There will, be a, there will be a judgment when you and I are raptured to spend eternity with the Lord. We will, we will be, stand before God. He will sit on what's called the Bema seat. The Bema seat of judgment is not a judgment to determine who goes to heaven, who goes to hell. He's not separating goats from sheep at that moment. That comes a thousand years later. But you and I, the righteous... And the dead in Christ, the righteous, 
we will stand before the throne of God, this Bema seat of God. Jesus will judge our works. Our works will be tried by fire. Now, we won't be tried by fire, but our works will be tried by fire. We won't lose our salvation, but let me tell you something. If your works aren't pure, you're going to lose your, you're going to lose your reward. If you gave for the wrong motive, if you gave for the wrong uh, concept, the wrong idea, if you gave something just to be seen by men, if you've acted and, 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 and done something that was not in the right motivation, then, then, then there's, only, there's only one thing that's going to happen. Those works are going to burn like wood, hay, and stubble. However, if, you're, if, you're, if your heart is right and everything you do for the Lord is proper, then you will be judged for every good action, everything you've done in your body, whether it's good or whether it's bad. And your good actions, your, 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 the good things that you've done for God, for his people, for his kingdom, for his church, uh, everything you've done will be rewarded on that day. The Bible says he's coming with his rewards with him. And those rewards will be handed out because those things that we've done will be like gold, the precious stones, and like silver. They won't be wood, hay, and stubble. They'll be precious, and they will be accounted to us in terms of a, of a, of a, a payment or a... Uh, uh, rewind just a moment here. I'm getting a little too excited. A reward that God will give us on that day. There we go. I got it. A reward. That was the word I was looking for. How can you talk about... God's rewards and forget the word reward. This blonde guy can do it, trust me. All right, so, so though this, we're, we're going somewhere. We're leading up to something with this. this is, these are things we've already talked about. I don't, want to have to, I don't want to preach on them again. I have some material I want to preach on this morning. But I want to help you get to the place where we are today, all right? <clears throat> resurrection of the righteous dead. Then you've got an interval between that and the resurrection of the unrighteous dead. We will be judged at the bema seat of Christ. Our works will be judged only. The unsaved, unjust people will be judged at the great white throne judgment. Great white throne, that's what it's called in your Bible, book of Revelation. The great white throne. Now at the great white throne, there will be no believers there. Just as there will be no unbelievers at the Bema seat judgment. No unbelievers, just, just the church. On the other hand, at the great white throne judgment, you don't have to worry about that because you're already a child of God. Those who come before the great white throne judgment will give an account not only for deeds done in their bodies, but they will give an account for what they have done with Jesus Christ. Have you trusted him as your Lord and as your Savior? Have you put your confidence? There are going to be a whole lot of people who are going to be absolutely shocked and surprised when they go before the Lord at that judgment seat. They're going to believe that somehow what they, the good works that they've done and the church membership they have, all these other things are going to guarantee them a place in eternity. They think that's how you get to heaven. Some folks think you're going to get to heaven because you served another God or another prophet or another Messiah. Did you know, not only are we looking for the second coming of our Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the way, the Bible's very plain who our Messiah is, extremely plain, the Lord Jesus Christ is mentioned so many times. However, the Jewish race, the Jewish people, who are not believers like we are, there are some Jews who are believers, but those who are not believers are looking for their Messiah. They're still waiting for their Messiah to come. That's why they go to the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. That's why they turn and face Jerusalem in their prayers. And an Orthodox Jew in his prayers will pray, for the second coming. They will pray for the coming, not the second coming, but for the coming of their Messiah. See, they missed it. They missed Jesus, didn't they? They didn't realize that he was the Messiah. So they're praying for their own Messiah. Did you realize not only are Christians looking for a Messiah, not only are Jews looking for a Messiah, but the Muslims are looking for a Messiah. They call him the Mahdi, M-A-H-D-I. They're looking for this wonderful, great man who's gonna come and is going to rule the earth, they're going to get all of, the, all of the nations of the world serving Allah. They're going to make them all convert to Islam. And as they convert to Islam, then this, this, their Messiah comes and, and is established as a king, and he rules over all those lands and over all those nations and over all the world. So there is a doctrine of the second coming of, or, or the coming of a Messiah in all three of the great world religions. I've got good news for you. We're the only one that's right. 
I said, we're the only one. I know they believe they're right, but by Scripture, we have God's Word and God's law, and we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is our Messiah. He came once as a babe in a manger, but I'm telling you what, he's coming back again. And this time when he comes, he's not going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes. He's going to have a robe that is dipped in blood. He's coming back. I said, he's coming back. He's coming back. Somebody say amen. Now, there are, Oh boy, I want to go so many different directions here. There are, there are two, there are two uh, distinct phases to the second coming of the Lord. One of them is the rapture of the church. Now the word rapture comes from a Latin version of the scriptures and it's come, you read it in your Bible as caught up or, or snatched up or carried away depending on what translation you're reading. But it's actually the, the Latin word rapturo and it means to be, rapt, to be caught up. That's what it means, to be caught up. A few weeks ago, I, practiced, I had a rapture drill. And um, Glenda wasn't in here. She's out with the grandbaby where she is right now. And normally she watches me preach because I'm her favorite preacher. And so, so normally she catches it on, on uh, Facebook. You can do that later on in the week, right? Well, she hadn't caught it yet. She hadn't watched it yet. I said, honey, did you see my rapture drill? She said, uh, no, I didn't see your rapture drill. So I had to practice it for her. I had to show her what it is. Y'all remember what it was? Does nobody remember the rapture drill? Okay, I might have to get you all up to practice with me, but it goes something like this. You ready? We're practicing for the rapture. Okay? Okay, be honest, Daniel. How high did I get off the floor? Huh? Huh? Yeah, I like that guy. It's a rapture, it's a rapture drill. It's, okay, all right. So the rapture is the first event in the, in the second coming. Uh, Jesus does not touch down on the earth in that coming. He comes in the clouds. We go up to meet him, okay? The dead in Christ, uh, believers who are alive, we go up to meet him. And, 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 and um, let me just pause here to say, uh, as I'm reminded of it, please pray for the family of Joel Morey, M-O-R-E-Y, precious young man. I get to meet Joel. He was with us for, uh, I think maybe a year or so, uh, I was his pastor, and, and he was coming back and forth to, the, to Asia, but he lived, in, he lived in Taiwan the majority of his time, um, spoke fluent uh, Chinese, and, and was, was working over there and ministering over there, uh, winning souls, just an outstanding young man. Joel passed away this last week, and um, so remember his family. Would you just remember Joel, who was part of our congregation? It's been a while back, but... but but I know that several of our folks are close to him. And uh, Brother Schuyler and Sabrina, they got to go out this last week to Lubbock and visit with he and his family. So, so let's remember that family. But you know, that young man's service is tomorrow or Tuesday. Tomorrow. And so at that service, they'll, they'll lay his body in a casket or whatever and put it in the ground. But I'm going to tell you something. The real Joel is more alive today than he's ever been. And Skyler doesn't have any trouble breathing. He's got both of his lungs. He's in a glorified state. He is with the Lord Jesus. He's, if, listen, if the Bible's true, then the dead in Christ are more alive than they've ever been. Does that shock you? Is that, is that like something you've never heard before or thought about before? Listen, I believe in heaven. I believe in the life after this life. I believe that God is able to take those bodies and put them reunited with their spirit in a glorified state, and there they will spend eternity. That's what God has for you and I. Can you say amen? So the rapture happens, and then seven years of tribulation on the earth, and then comes the second coming or the second advent where the Lord Jesus touches down on the Mount of Olives and Zechariah chapter 14 declares that a great valley is formed because there will be an earthquake. And the, the, the earthquake will be vast and it will, it will prepare a way uh, for the Lord, the Lord's highway. And, and just, a, just a glorious thought as he comes to establish, he comes to defeat the, the armies of the Antichrist and to establish his kingship as king of kings and lord of lords where he will serve for a thousand years of peace. I said a thousand years of peace with the Lord Jesus on the throne. What a glorious time that's going to be. Well, let's get into it real quickly, the, the, uh, the, the tribulation. Now, last week I told you you can, uh, you can have one of these books. I'm going to be teaching a little bit out of this book. 
It's called Basic Bible Doctrines. My copy is gold. I have one for you that is red. It's out in the lobby. And anyone, anyone who would like a copy, if you do not have a copy, please take one. If you want to take one to a friend, please do that. They're our gift to you. And you can take that book and study with, with me. I'm actually on page 70, if anyone has their book with them this morning. I'm going to share with you about the Great Tribulation. Now, um, it's good to uh, not only read the book of Revelation, but you really have to have an understanding of the book of Daniel as well, because Daniel and John in the revelation of Jesus are blended together so beautifully. And Daniel foretells a time when the Antichrist, a man, not just the spirit. See, John, the apostle, identified it and said, he said, the spirit of Antichrist has been with us always. Okay, it's always been here. There have been people who have manifested that spirit stronger than other people. Um, but there's, there's also going to be a man, and this man, according to, to Daniel, will make a covenant or a treaty with Israel for a seven-year period. Um, in the middle of that seven years, <clears throat> at three and a half years, the Antichrist will break the covenant. He will break the treaty, and great calamity and desolation will befall Israel as well as the rest of the world. But it will be a time, according to the book of Revelation, where God takes Israel and they flee into the wilderness. They'll flee to a place of refuge. Sort of like the city of Petra. I don't know if any of you have ever seen pictures or you've been to the city of Petra. It was carved out of, out of a, a cliff. And it, it's a city that's been carved. You can go in there and, and there's like places to live and so forth. Masada is very similar to that. Only Masada's on top of a mountain in Israel. And... Um, Masada was a fortress where over 400 um, uh, Jews uh, ended their lives. They, they, they committed suicide rather than have the Roman legions take them captive. And um, that's another story in itself. But, but, but what's going to happen at the three and a half year point is Israel, it's going to be a great time of salvation for Israel because there will be 144,000 Jewish evangelists that's 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes. They will be selected. They will be anointed by the Holy Spirit. And they will, they will begin to preach among the Jewish people. Because you see, after the rapture, when the church is gone, there's not going to be that spiritual influence like there is now. The salt of the earth, the light of the earth, which is what the church is, we're going to be gone. And so a lot of the Christian influence and uh, so forth will not be here. It's going to be a time of lawlessness. But God's going to raise up some Jews to preach to the Jews. I'm telling you, it's an incredible miracle. And so thousands will be swept into the, into the kingdom of God during the period of the Great Tribulation. Some will be martyred for their faith. But the Lord attaches a blessing to those who, who are martyred for, for, the, for their faith, the Christian faith. And so the Jews will be turned to, many of them will be turned to Christ and those will be spared and they will be, uh, they will be sequestered by God somewhere in the wilderness at the mid midpoint uh, you read it, I think, Revelation 12, but, but at this midpoint that Daniel's talking about, when the Antichrist breaks the covenant and comes against the Jewish people, God will keep them and protect them. He always has and he always will. They are his chosen people. So, so the Antichrist, then we, we talked about him um, either last Sunday or last Wednesday. I'm, I get confused as to when I, when I, I taught it because we're teaching ahead on Wednesdays. What I'm doing is each week I come in and we... We do a, a, a teaching on a Bible subject, and then we put it with, with some of the music that Sherry, last week I think it was Sherry and Amy that had done some beautiful songs, and so we blend all that together. And then we put that on Facebook and YouTube on Wednesday nights. So if you're not watching us on Wednesday, you need to tune in at 6.30 to the church's Facebook, to our website, or to YouTube on Wednesday night at 6.30. So I talked about the Antichrist and uh, the fact that he was going to come into the Jewish temple at the three and a half year mark, uh, halfway through the seven years of tribulation. And so he will um, cause an abomination to take place in the, 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 uh, the temple. This will be the third temple. There have been two. They've both been destroyed. But there will be a third temple erected very, very soon. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, there, the Temple Institute in Jerusalem uh, these fellows have prepared everything that's necessary. They're training priests to, to, uh, to do sacrifices. They're uh, raising funds to buy all of the furniture and all of the uh, uh, things that need to, to go in to accessorize uh, the temple. And they've got everything in order. When I was there in 1996, they had a 
They had a candlestick, a golden candlestick, seven prongs of a golden candlestick. It was ready to go, 1996, ready to be put in the new temple. And uh, they told us how many millions of dollars in gold was in that, that lampstand. That, 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 and I thought to myself, well, I won't be handling that. I'll just look at it from afar. I mean, because you break it, you pay for it, right? So anyway, they're, they're getting ready for worship, the Jews are, in their temple. Now remember, these are people that don't, they don't know who, I mean, they know who Jesus was, but they've not trusted him as, as Messiah, like you and I have. So they're still doing their, their worship. They're, they're, they will be, uh, they'll be returning sacrifice to God uh, in the temple. And then as they're sacrificing in the temple, at the three and a half year mark, the Antichrist will enter the temple himself. He will come into the Holy of Holies and they will establish a, an idol, an image of him, all right? An image of a man in the temple. Can you imagine? This is such an abomination. It's something God has... You see, the, the, the priest in the, uh, in, the, in the temple and in the tabernacle, which was the moving uh, the tent that they took, the tent of worship when they were uh, traveling for 40 years in the wilderness, then once they got to... Uh, the promised land, they established a temple in, uh, in Jerusalem on the threshing floor there in, in the city of Jerusalem where, where the, the, uh, the temple mount is today. It's still there. There's no temple. There's a few remnants of it. Uh, for instance, uh, Herod's temple, that wailing wall is the western wall, the retaining wall of the temple of Herod. And so that's where uh, the Jews go and worship. You've probably seen photos or pictures or video of, of men on one side, women on the other side, and they're worshiping in this wall, all right? And they're taking prayer requests and they're sticking it in the cracks between the rocks and, and they've got, um, some of them have flactories on there, on themselves. They have like a, you tie the, you tie a box onto your hand you, with uh, leather thongs. You tie it on your hand and you tie it on your forehead. And inside the little leather, leather box, there's, there's scripture. And so what they're doing is they're fulfilling uh, the scripture where God told us to, uh, bind your, his word to our forehead and to our hands. Well, they take that literally, um, and so they, they, they bind it on there. I, I, first time I ever saw anybody do that up close, I was on the plane. We were going from New Jersey uh, to Tel Aviv, Israel. And, uh, of course, it's, the, the plane was full of Jews, you know, a few, a few American tourists, but everybody else was Jewish going back home. And uh, somewhere in the middle of that flight, I noticed people kept getting up and going back to the back. And I heard some commotion back there and I turned around and looked in the back and these guys had their prayer books out and they had their flactories tied on their head and, they're, and, they're, and like that and they're, they're praying like this and in the middle of an aircraft <laughs> but they were, they were doing what the law had instructed them to do and they were carrying out uh, what they thought would make God happy and please God and so it's in this temple with this um, this particular scenario you've got priests in there, you've got uh, animals in there, the, the sheep that they have slain the, the sheep and they, they shed the blood on the altar and they've done all the things that are necessary to, to try to please God and atone for the sins of the people because the, the eyes of their understanding are still blinded. See, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them who believe not lest the glorious light of the gospel should shine into them. Aren't you glad you've had the light of the gospel shine to you and your eyes are open? Come on, somebody. I'm so glad I don't have to try to fulfill the law. I can't fulfill, you can't. None of us can fulfill the law. None of us can do it all. That's why Jesus came. The law was given to show mankind how sinful he was and all that is wrong and all that needs to be done and all that needs to be corrected and what needs to be properly in place. And we couldn't do that from the very beginning. We couldn't do it. There are people who try to do it their whole life and they can't do it. And if you sin in one, then you've sinned them all. If you sinned in one and you transgressed one law, then you've sinned against all of the laws. But thank God Jesus came and with his perfect life fulfilled the law for you and I. It took someone perfect to fulfill it. How can we ever think we can fulfill it? Jesus said, I've not come to destroy the law. I've come to fulfill the law. And when he fulfilled the law, if I trust in him, then I fulfill the law. Are you with me out there? God has imputed his righteousness. The righteousness of Jesus has been given to me. 
Someone who could never keep the law, but Jesus kept the law and his righteousness is my righteousness. Now I stand before God as if I had kept every jot and every tittle of the law itself because of what Jesus did for me. Oh, hallelujah, somebody ought to be shouting amen. I hear you at home shouting amen. I appreciate you doing that. <laughs> okay, so, my goodness, I, I can't even recap without preaching it. Well, we're talking about the rapture and the first resurrection and then the tribulation time and then in the middle of the tribulation what takes place, the Antichrist comes and uh, then the end of the tri tribulation is when Jesus returns, we return with him, okay, in the second coming, the second advent. So let's get into the tribulation period. Um, first of all, in um, Daniel 9 and 27, if you want to jot that scripture down or go to the YouTube, go to the YouTube app, or youtube.com, and uh, find uh, us on there. And uh, if you'll search live events uh, on there, you'll find, you'll find our notes for today, all right? Okay, I got a text. Uh, we're having trouble with the sound online, you guys. You got it fixed? Look at your thumbs up back there. Okay, I'm going to say, this is my wife talking to me. I'm going to tell her. I'm going to tell her it's okay. <laughs> Hope you all don't mind me talking to my wife. Oh, you talking, church? We just usually talk to somebody next to us in church. Okay. Daniel 9, 27. And he, Antichrist, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Now, one week is a seven-year period in, in Daniel's uh, uh, timekeeping. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease and for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. So the first three and a half years of the tribulation then are, they're difficult, but they're nothing like the last three and a half years, which is called the wrath of God or Jacob's wrath, which means Israel's wrath. It begins in Revelation 16 and 12 when the sixth seal is broken and it continues until the battle of Armageddon, which is found in Revelation 19 verse 11 and so forth, all right? So, great tribulation, seven years. Um, Revelation 6 and 12 says, for that great day of his wrath is come. And who shall be able to stand? The great day of his wrath, the wrath of God. You say, Pastor, I, I didn't know God had wrath. I thought God was loving and merciful and kind, a good, good father. Isn't that what we believe in, what we teach? Isn't that what we sing? Isn't that what we practice? Absolutely. <clears throat> but in his mercy, he's also just. In his love, he also has a judgment on sin. His law declares it. And those who can't keep the law <clears throat> are going to face the consequence. And Jesus fulfilled the law so now it's all about what you're doing with Jesus. Who do you say Jesus is? Is he your Lord? Is he your Messiah? Is he your King? Do you believe that his work at Calvary is all you need to atone for your sins? If so, then you're his child. If so, then you can be born again if you believe those things. But there are going to be a lot of people left on the planet who don't believe those things, and a great day of his wrath is come, Revelation 6, 12. God's wrath. Who shall be able to stand against the wrath of God? Whew. Revelation 19 and 15, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of his fierceness and wrath of almighty God. You want to talk about wrath and... and um, and fierceness. <clears throat> in Revelation chapter 6, verses 12 through 16, um, we read that, uh, is that where we're at on the screen? Is that 12, 16? Okay, good. Thank you very much. Here's what we read. I watched, this is John writing, the apostle John. I watched and he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. In other words, pretty black. The whole moon turned blood red. Mm. Can we read the next verse? Y'all have like, uh, yeah, here we go. And the stars in the sky fell to the earth. 
as figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. Now this is what I was quoting to you a moment ago. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up. And every mountain and every island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, and they said, fall on, on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne. That's Jesus, Father God, and from the wrath of the Lamb. You see that? Hide us from the, his face and and save us from the wrath of the Lamb of God. All right, next verse, please. <clears throat> Is that it? Okay, you have those three verses for me, uh, 12 through 16. Good, thank you very much. All right, uh, Revelation chapter 8 and verse 7 speaks of hail and fire. Do we have that one? Good, thank you. The first angel sounded the trumpet, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood. I'm going to just stop here. We're in the tribulation period, it's about three and a half years or so into that seven-year period. The Jewish people have been persecuted like crazy, but now it's, it's even worse. And so they run and they're taken to the desert. I don't know how many are taken out to the desert. All of them, all who will, all who trusted Christ during the tribulation. I don't know, but I know it's going to take some Jewish people and hide them, sequester them. And now look what happens. There came hail and fire mixed with blood. Now I've seen, I've seen hail fall from the sky, and I know what fire is. I've never seen it fall from the sky, but I know what it is. I know what blood is. But have you ever seen hail, fire, and blood fall from the sky, hurled down to, on the earth? What about this? A third of the earth was burned up by this fire. A third of the trees were burned up. And all the green grass was burned up. All the green grass. That's Revelation 8 and 7. Do we have any more in that reading? Yes. Okay, that was the first angel. The second angel sounded his trumpet and something like a huge mountain all ablaze was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea turned into blood. Now what happens when rivers are filled with blood? What happens when Ponds are filled with blood and lakes are filled with blood. And here, in this, this case, the sea is filled with blood. It's going to kill all the life in that water. A third of the living creatures in the sea died. A third of the ships were destroyed. That's, that's Revelation 8 and 9. Look at verse, the rest of this verse. The third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star blazing like a torch fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. Wormwood. I found out a few months ago that uh, Wormwood in, in Russian is Chernobyl. I thought that was kind of interesting. You remember Chernobyl? It was, a, it was a Russian nuclear plant, and they had some kind of a meltdown, similar to what happened in Japan a few years ago where they had an earthquake and, and a, a nuclear plant was hit, and the nuclear waste the toxic waste filled the sea. And that was like, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago. And they're saying that that toxic waste is now, is now coming to the coast up in the, in the northwest part of the United States, Seattle, Washington, and Oregon, and up in there. Some of that waste has come all the way around the world. And Wormwood happened back in the 80s. And um, it absolutely, Chernobyl absolutely devastated an entire city. People died. Uh, it was horrible. People ran for their lives. Animals were killed, children, everybody. The, the radiation from that plant. And I just thought it was very interesting. The Bible talks about this in Revelation, um, where are we at? Chapter 8. Talks about this. Coming back up a little bit. Talks about the star falling from the sky. Uh, here we go. Third of the sea turned into blood. Okay. Uh, next, let's go forward. Okay. Third of the living creatures in the sea died. A third of the ships destroyed. Okay, what's the next verse, please? Third angel sounded a trumpet, and a great star, blazing like a torch, fell from the sky. Okay, can you see that in your mind's eye? Here comes a star, blazing like a torch, and it hits the earth at a third of the rivers, and even the springs of water. What happens to them? Look at it. 
they, the name of the star is Wormwood, and a third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that had become bitter. Is there any connection between Chernobyl and this particular event in, in, in Revelation chapter number 8? I don't know. Um, I, I honestly don't know. But does that sound like uh, some kind of nuclear waste that causes the sea and all the creatures, to, all the water to turn bitter and people die from the water that's bitter and so forth? I don't know. I, I, you know, I'm not a, I don't claim to be an expert on, on very much of this at all. <laughs> but I love to read it and I love to study it because there is a blessing attached to reading it. Did you know that? Revelation 1 and 3, when you get a minute, look at Revelation 1 and 3 and you'll see a blessing attached to those who who speak this word and those who hear this word and read this word, there's a blessing attached. If you read the, the book of Revelation, there's a blessing. There are, there are at least seven blessings attached in, uh, or seven blessings to believers in the book of Revelation, and this is, this is one of them. When you just read and hear this book, there's a blessing attached to that. So, uh, the water becomes bitter, it kills people. Um, the fourth angel sounded a trumpet. A third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon a third of the stars, so that a third of them burned or turned dark. A third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. Is that what that is? Yeah, we cut it off there. Okay, also a third of the. <laughs> Fill in the blank. <laughs> Somebody's got your Bible open, tell me what that says. Just, just call it out loud. One third of the heavenly bodies destroyed uh, a third of the day without light, and also a third of the, when you get that, give me a shout. I think it's about verse 11 or 12. Am I right there? Rose, is that about right? She's looking it up. All right. <clears throat> okay, let's go to the next, the next point, the next event in the tribulation period. Look at Revelation chapter 9, okay, Revelation 9. Demon hordes come out of the bottomless pit. Four angels come out of the Euphrates River and slay one-third of the men. Okay, well, the question, the answer was night. There it is. Thank you. third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night was without light. So a third of a 24-hour period would be eight hours. Did I do that right? And then a third of the nighttime. Is that correct? <clears throat> okay. That's a whole lot. Out of a 24-hour period, that's a whole lot without any light. I mean, there's no light at night. There's no light in the daytime. Uh, amazing. Amazing. Okay. So, uh, Revelation 9 speaks of demon hordes. It speaks of angels who come out of the Euphrates River and slay one-third of, of the men. Interesting thing about the Euphrates River, um, a number of years ago, they built a dam. I believe it was Turkey that built a dam across the Euphrates River. And they can actually stop the flow of water and dry up the Euphrates anytime they want to. When I read that, immediately I thought, ah, there's a passage in the scripture about the Euphrates River drying up. And then the Bible tells us that an army of 200 million people come from the east into, uh, into Israel ahead of, the, ahead of uh, the, the Battle of Armageddon. They're part of the battle. And, and I thought, okay, now who can muster up an army of 200 million men? See, America's only 320 million population. So we certainly don't have 200, we don't have 100 million fighting. I don't know how many we have that we could pull all together, all of our branches of military. But there is an army coming of 200 million from the east, and to the east of Israel is China. China has so many people in, in its population, they can muster an army of 200 million people by pulling all the reserves together and so forth and so on. Incredible. Just, just as John saw it 2,000 years ago, folks, it's happening in our lifetime. Things are, are coming into place. You may say, well, everything's falling apart. No, everything's not falling apart. Everything's falling into place. God's got a plan. He's doing something. Okay, read on with me. Let's hurry. Um, Revelation 12 speaks of uh, the middle of the seven-year period. Israel, who's the woman clothed with the sun in Revelation 12, she flees into the wilderness for protection, okay? Um, then in Revelation uh, 12, read on a little bit, you read, you, read, you read of the rise of the Antichrist 
and he shall prevail upon the earth for the last three and a half years. I believe the Antichrist is going to be revealed when the church is gone, maybe even before, I don't know, but I think it's when the church is gone at the rapture. Shortly after that is when the Antichrist will be revealed. But he won't take his, his powerful position until somewhere about the three and a half year point, somewhere in the middle of the tribulation. Because you see, he's, 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 God's, he's, he's man's answer. Everybody thinks wonderful things of him. He's able to broker all these peace deals with Israel and all of her, all of her enemies and so forth, similar to what's happening right now. And um, he brokers all these peace deals, all these treaties, and the world looks to him as, as an incredible man of peace and order, and he is, he's, he's sent, surely he's sent by God to help lead us through this, this chaotic time that we're in. Then at the three and a half year point, something happens. This guy gets demonized. This this somehow Satan empowers the beast. That's what he's called, the, the, the beast. He has a name, the beast. He has a mark, and he has a number. And the number is 666. 666 is the number of his name. The number of his name. He will be revealed. He will come into power. He will ultimately have, he'll be the most powerful man in the world. Then Satan will possess him he will turn immediately on the Jews because they're God's chosen people and Satan hates their guts. And he will, he will endeavor to not only set himself up as the one to be worshipped, but he will, he will endeavor to kill every Jew. That's why the Jews are going to have to go hide in the wilderness because he's going to establish his, his throne in Jerusalem, in the temple. Come and worship me. And then it's set up where you have to worship the Antichrist or, or, or be slain, be killed, have your head severed, severed from your shoulders. You, you have to worship the Antichrist. And the way you worship is by taking his mark. That's the way, that's the way you sell. That's the way you buy. That's the way you, you're able to go to work. That's the way you're able to hold a job or start a business. You have to have the mark. That's the way that you, that is what's necessary to function during this tribulation time is taking this beast's mark. And I was reading this morning that when you, those who take that mark have a place in the lake of fire. I don't know that there's forgiveness for that. I, I don't know, Brother Steve, as I read it, I think once the mark is taken, uh, it's, the, it's the beast mark. I'm not talking about a chip. We've got a lot of people putting RFID chips in their body right now. That doesn't necessarily mean they're taking the mark of the beast. There will come a time when the mark of the beast will be pretty obvious what, what the mark is and who's taking it, who hasn't taken it. In fact, as I mentioned, you won't be able to buy or sell. You won't be able to drive a car without the mark. You won't be able to leave your home. You won't be able to go across the street. You won't be able to go to another city. You'll have to, you'll have to show them your mark so you can be scanned, and they will scan that mark, and they will determine your name, your address, your, your social security number, how much money you have in the bank, what your blood type is, what your diseases are, uh, where you work, what you're capable of doing, how, what your educational level is. Everything about you is going to be in that chip. And so it, this is the way you control the world. This is how you control the nations of the world. It, it, it's, it's coming. Listen, even the technology for this is now in place. It's being experimented with. I remember when I first saw a scanner at a supermarket. Oh boy, oh boy here it comes. And the, and the barcodes. Now we take barcodes for granted. I go to, I, I did a self-service thing. Uh, Glenda and I were at a Walmart in um, Muskogee the other night. And so I, I took the product and I walked over to the machine and I went, whoop. And I put it across there, and it went, it went, <clears throat> it went, beep, that's what, yeah, beep, like that, kind of like that. So I ran it across there, and, and I, I looked, and sure enough, it, it told me what I had just purchased, thank you very much, put it in the little sack, put my money in, and it returned my money to me, whatever I needed, or swipe my card, or stick my chip in, or whatever, whatever, and there it is. And, and we, we just, it is so convenient now. How many of you remember when you, you first, you saw your first scanning machine, your scanner, do you remember that? Some of y'all are so young, you're just, you've always, it's always been with us. I mean, we've always had it. Well, I'm an old guy, and I remember when we didn't have it. And so to see it for the first time and be a student of Bible prophecy, raised in a church where my dad taught Bible prophecy and so forth, I, I, I knew that the technology is coming. Here it is. And, and now with the, the, the age of supercomputers, all the information about every individual in the world can be known and controlled by the single click of a mouse or, 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 or stroke of a keyboard. It's just that easy anymore. Whew. Pastor, I'm just going to go off the grid. They can't find me. How about this? How about you just get ready uh, in your spirit, be born again, 
and go with us in the rapture. How's that sound? That sound better than getting off the grid and trying to hide out <laughs> in the mountains somewhere. <laughs> All right. Um, what we're talking about, while we're talking about, um, while we're talking about these treaties that have been passed in recent days, um, let me see if I can find for you uh, my information. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> nope, not there. Mm, nope, it's not there. Let's profile of the Antichrist. That's some pretty good stuff there. <laughs> okay. All right, what I thought I had, I don't, I don't guess I've got notes. I have to rely on my memory. But here it is. Um, on 9-11, um, President Trump announced that there is a new peace treaty that's been agreed upon between uh, Israel, the state of Israel, and a, a nation called Bahrain. Bahrain is a Middle Eastern Muslim-dominated country. They stepped forward and wanted to, be, wanted to sign a treaty with Israel because Israel had just signed a treaty with the UAE, United Arab Emirates. Now, the UAE has within it seven emirates. One of them is Dubai, and then there's six other emirates, and that would be like a... a city-state, okay, a city that is its own state, like Hong Kong and the, and the Vatican and so forth. And so United Arab Emirates has one of the, probably the, the greatest uh, financial power in the, all of the Middle East. Uh, and Israel has probably the second most powerful economy. These two uh, economic powers have now signed a treaty and they're now, they're already doing business. It's not even going to be signed officially until next Tuesday. Uh, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu and the guy, the sheik from United Arab Emirates, they're coming to Washington and they're going to sign them probably in the Rose Garden. That's where all these treaties get signed. Okay, you may have see, seen pictures of George Bush. You remember the one with Bill Clinton and he's got these two guys, Menachem Begum was uh, the Jewish guy and I think it was uh, Yasser Arafat, the Palestinian uh, PLO guy. And so here's a picture of Bill. He's smiling and he's got, well, the peace, the peace deal didn't work. They signed it, but it didn't work. However, we've got a new one. UAE has been signed Tuesday. There are, there are already business people between Israel and UAE are already signing deals. Uh, El Al, the airline of Israel, has already flown one of their, one of their airliners and landed in uh, Abu Dhabi, which is the capital of UAE. And um, on board that plane was a couple of American dignitaries and staff and so forth and uh, the president's son-in-law. Jared Kushner was on board that plane. Jared is an Orthodox Jew. He's been raised in a Jewish home. When he married Ivanka, Ivanka Trump, uh, she converted uh, to Judaism. They've, so they raised their children in a kosher home. And uh, Jared has some sort of an ability to broker these deals. He's a real wheeler dealer, evidently, kind of like his father-in-law, Donald Trump, is. And so between Trump and Kushner and the other folks on the team, they've now brokered peace deals with Bahrain, with UAE. They already had one with Egypt from years ago. They had one from, with Jordan from years ago. These are not under Trump's uh, reign. But believe it or not, Donald Trump has now been nominated for his second Nobel Peace Prize in the last 30 days. Can you believe that? Yeah, I think that's incredible. I, I, and I hope that they, I hope they have enough common sense to give the man a peace, peace uh, prize. I really do. I mean, they gave Barack Obama one. He was awarded it before he ever came into office. Really? What, what all did you do for peace, Barack? Mm. Well, anyway, our current administration is working for peace in the Middle East. But let me tell you something. As wonderful as it is and as glorious as it is for Israel, it's actually a sign of end-time prophecy. It's happening in these days. We're living in the days that is all coming together. Hallelujah. All right, so, so those are very interesting uh, times we're living in. Uh, also, the UAE has signed, uh, or is signing, Bahrain is interested in signing, Qatar is interested in signing a peace deal with Israel. Uh, let's see, there's one that was brokered by uh, Kushner, Trump, and Israel, and the Palestinians, all right? This bad boy had... $50 billion with a B, 
50 billion was the, the incentive. That was the carrot on the stick, 50 billion. All the Palestinians had to do was sign the peace deal which acknowledges Israel's right to exist. 50 billion invested in your infrastructure, in IT, uh, in your economy, in businesses, 50 billion with a B. That'll go a long ways in anybody's economy, but especially these folks who, are, who live in, they live within the confines of Israel. They're called the Palestinians, all right? Guess who refused to sign the peace deal with Israel? Guess who refused to acknowledge that Israel has a right to exist? So blinded by their hatred for the Jewish people that they couldn't see past their nose. They couldn't see what that, was, what that money would do for their children and their grandchildren and for generations to come. They would benefit from all that. Kushner has a, not only a peace plan, but he's worked out a way for that $50 billion to be spent. And I forget the name of the peace initiative, the, the financial initiative. But somehow he gathered leaders. I don't know, has anybody else seen this on YouTube or something? Look, look for the video of this. It's amazing. Here's Jared Kushner, and he didn't hold a political office, never has, but yet he is the senior advisor to Donald Trump, and he's standing up and he's talking to all these guys that got their, their headdress on, and you know you can tell they're, they're from, from the Middle East, and they're sitting around. There's like, I don't know, 50 in the room, and he's explaining to them how this is going to work. And so Israel has already signed. Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister, has already signed the peace deal. America has agreed to put the, the money up for it. And we can't get the Palestinians to sign. So it's on them. But here, here's my point. If, if, if the Antichrist comes in a three and a half years into the tribulation, he breaks a peace deal between Israel and her, and her neighbors, there has to be a peace deal signed. It has to be in place. It will, it will be so strong and, and Israel will seem so confident that they will cry peace and safety. Right now they're calling it peace and security. This, what they call the, the peace deal between uh, peace deal between the UAE, uh, United Arab Emirates and Israel is called the Abraham Accord. <laughs> Abraham Accord. You see Abraham is the father of the Muslims, right? The, the, the ancestor of the Muslim faith. Because through, through Abraham came uh, Ishmael through Hagar, his, his, uh, his servant. Hagar wasn't his wife. She, she was Sarah's servant. But Abraham and Sarah couldn't have a child. You remember? God promised them a child. They couldn't have a child. Uh, we know God promised, but it's not working. It's not working. Sarah's getting old. Uh, Abraham's getting old. So Sarah says, why don't you just take Hagar? Maybe it's my fault. Maybe I can't bear children. Take Hagar, your handservant. Go into her. You produce a seed. She'll have a baby. In those days, that was kind of common and it was kind of okay. And so Abraham gets ahead of God. <laughs> he, he operates in the flesh. Are you listening to me, anybody? He wasn't willing to wait on God. He was going to make it happen himself. So sure enough, he gets out there, tries to make it happen himself. A baby is born by the name of Ishmael. And Ishmael is not the chosen seed. He's not the promised son. Isaac is the promised son. Isaac was, Isaac was uh, produced, conceived in Sarah's womb when she was 90 years old. Abraham was 100 years old. She, she got pregnant and she had a baby and they named him Isaac. And so the lineage for the promised land, the, the promises are from Abraham, Isaac, and then Isaac's son Jacob, who's really, his name is Israel. So the land of, of I call, I don't want to call it Palestine. It's not Palestine. It is not Palestine. It's never been Palestine. These people aren't Palestinians. The word Palestine come, means, it's taken from the word Philistine, which means traveler. One of Rome's and so forth. A traveler, that, Philistine. And so a, a pope, a pope in the first century, just to, no, it wasn't a pope. It was a, who was it? I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, it was either pope or Roman Official. Somebody needs to research that for me. They named the land uh, Palestine. And so that's how it got its name in the first century. This official was so upset with the Jews, he was trying his best to make them look bad. And, you know, I'll show you. I'll just name your land after the Philistines. 
So it's now Palestine. So now these people are being born generations later calling themselves Palestinians, and there's no Palestinian state, there's no Congress, there's no legislature, there's no, you know, I mean, they've got a structure now because everybody wants to give them money, <laughs> and so they've got an infrastructure now. But listen, those precious people, you know, God loves them, but they're just Muslims who happen to be born in that land that belongs to the Jewish people. It's always belonged to the Jews. The Jews are now willing to give them some land. They've given them land for peace, land for peace, land for peace, and never got the peace. They just lost the land Israel has. And so the deal that they've offered, this peace initiative, uh, prosperity through peace or something is what it's called, and, and so they're offering them all this money, all this help, all this aid, and I don't know what they're going to do with it. I have no clue what the Palestinians are going to do with it. These guys are just whack and everybody, everybody is supporting them. Oh, we need, to, we need to boycott Israel. We need to support the Palestinians. They're being so mistreated. Israel came in there and occupied their land in 1948. This is the land Palestinians are living in. It belongs to the Palestinians. Anybody heard that? that that's the, that's the, the liberal slant. That's the left-wing uh, narrative as to what's happening. Israel's the bad guy. I got news for you. Israel's not the bad guy. That's... That's God's land. That's God's land. He gave it to God's people, and that they're right where they need to be. All right, enough of that. One of these days, we're going to preach about the land again. Some of y'all heard me preach about it. I, don't, I, I tell you, it's just good stuff. Okay, I better quit. They're upstairs looking at me, uh, and they're looking down here thinking, we got all these kids up here, preacher, turn us loose. So I'm going to let them, I'm going to let them go. So why don't you stand with me, please, everybody? And um, how far did we get? We got halfway through the, the uh, tribulation. Or so. Thank God for these peace deals that are being signed. Hallelujah. I hope they sign more and more and more of them. I hope it gets more peaceful and so that Israel is at rest and peace and safety. And then that's going to make the way for the Antichrist. But guys, listen, I don't think as Christians we need to worry about that. We need to be looking for Christ, not the Antichrist. We need to be looking for Jesus to come. Are you ready for him to come? I said, are you ready for him to come? Yeah. Hallelujah. Well, he's coming. Woo. And every time we read about these things, every time we study about the timeline, the rapture, the tribulation, the second coming, all those things, it encourages us and inspires us. And we're becoming more knowledgeable, you see. And there's a blessing attached. Let's receive the blessing from the Lord this morning for reading and studying. Father, we just received... Uh, Lord, a supernatural blessing and grace upon our lives. Not because of who we are or what we've done, but because we're coming into alignment and agreement with your word. We declare, Lord, that your word, every jot and every tittle of your word, every bit of your word is, is holy and sacred. And uh, the only reason that, that uh, we, we get mixed up on stuff or don't understand, we don't agree with it is because we don't understand it. Lord, help us as we study. Help us by the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom, Lord, in Jesus' name. As people go home and they take these books and they begin to study out of this, out of this book, may the eyes of their understanding be enlightened. May the Holy Spirit go before us and as our teacher instructing us and teaching us, drawing us close to yourself, Lord, we'll receive it in Jesus' name. We'll receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship him together. Take a moment and just love the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You want to sing, Sherry? You want to sing for us? Lead us. Praise the Father. Praise the Son.
spoken anything that's of me, of the flesh, then Lord, just distract that from our memory. But Lord, if I've spoken truth in those nuggets of, of your word that you want people to draw from and grow from, then plant them deep in us, Lord. Deep within us. Then give us a liberty to share it with other people. Bring it back to our remembrance, Lord, when we need to hear it. Bring back the proper scriptures and passages and thoughts and may your word just come alive and flow and bubble out of us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah and amen. I was talking about Abraham a moment ago, that Abraham Accord is what they called this peace deal, this latest peace deal between Israel, who are the Jews, and United Arab, Arab Emirates, who are Muslim. So here's this peace treaty. Now, UAE has not been aggressive towards Israel. They've not bombed them and tried to blow them up and kill them and stuff. They're, they're not one of those nations. This is more for uh, finance and for business and for commerce. That's what this agreement is all about. There's going to come a day when Israel's enemies are going to lay down their weapons and God's going to prevail. You say amen to that. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Raise your hand for the blessing of the day as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. May angels go before you. Goodness and mercy follow after you. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.